Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddy. With me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's episode 306 of the Custard TV podcast. I know that because I've asked it a million times and Matt's got quite angry with me about it. I just, I mean, I wasn't going to do this. I was going to put on a professional veneer, but I'm not feeling this today. So Sarah's here. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Luke. And then Matt's here as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the boost I needed. Oh, I know I have to make you feel better. <laughs> I feel great. I've got four blueberry muffins in the kitchen and I'm going to eat every single one of them. I thought that was a euphemism. <laughs> no, genuinely actual okay. muffins. I haven't got the energy for euphemisms. Have you baked them? No. <laughs> Which makes okay. it even better. Can you bake? I can actually, but very simple things. But I am one of those people who will sit and watch Bake Off and go, call that patisserie. Um, but uh, I can't do any better than like a sponge cake. <laughs> I don't know. Because what I'm thinking is when life is back to semi-normal, we mm. need to do this in a studio that's sort of equidistant for the three of us. And you can bring the patisserie goods. <laughs> I would love to do that for the cake yeah. and for the lols as well. I mean, I well, don't know. for the if, cake, but yeah. If you... <laughs> If you remember, Luke, that once I baked live on the podcast, if yeah, you remember that. I can't that, remember I... what you baked. It was chocolate chip cookies with bacon. No, I can't I can't be doing that. I believe you titled the episode Cooking with Bacon. <laughs> before we before I knew numbers existed, I yeah. think I did, yeah. <laughs> Why did you put bacon in cookies going back several years? Did you mishear it when you said baking and you you heard bacon? What, no, what no, I, it was a recipe that I thought it looked intriguing. People have, you know, salted caramel and things like that, you know, that contrast of... it was, And it was like you had to really, really crisp the bacon. Hmm. So it was sort of like really sort of crispy, small pieces of bacon. It wasn't like just like one big rasher wrapped around <laughs> yeah. a, an Oreo. <laughs> I would eat that. It was chocolate chips and little small crispy bits of bacon okay. inside a inside a cookie. I've never tried anything like that, but I have to um, report that Nigella was talking about bacon chocolate brownies. Matt's in fine company. Yeah, and I do make Nigella's chocolate chocolate cookies. Actually, that's my go-to chocolate biscuit recipe. Do you mm. do it with all their pizzazz? Oh yeah, fondly <laughs> caress my baking trays. <laughs> You got to you got to schedule in the cheeky winks to camera as well. No, that's why Adam turned his webcam off on like the third podcast we ever did because his cheeky <laughs> winks were getting out of hand. I couldn't cope with it. Oh come on, no double entendre here, please. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This 
this week on the podcast, HBO and Sky Atlantic have joined forces, as they always do, uh, with a brand new crime drama of starring Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown, uh, Channel 4's new comedy, Frank of Ireland, from, from the Gleeson Brothers, brand new comedy from Rose Matafeo called Starstruck, and ITV pinning all their weekly hopes on a brand new crime thriller called Viewpoint, which is going to be on every day this week at 9pm. First of all, though, as is now what we do on the podcast, how, how are you feeling about LOD, Sarah? I watched Gogglebox with my friendly support bubble last night, and when the Line of Duty bit came on, as it inevitably does, yep. I might have thrown my head back in desperation and gone, oh God, I can't wait for Line of Duty to be over this series. Isn't that a terrible I, thing to I, say? I am so with you. Um, Matt's seen Sunday's episode, as we will have done by the time this podcast goes up, and you've said that it's your favourite of the lot. Can you yeah. and go into that and dance around? I, why? I just think that it's very much a back to basics approach that it's it's primarily the the big interview scene i won't say who's being interviewed but there is a sort of it's almost half an hour the interview scene in this in this week's episode mm-hmm. and it, it just feels like very much there are three distinct pieces there's not any big sort of expository scenes like there were in last week's episode no. i just felt it flowed very well it allowed all of characters to have that moment to shine the performances i felt were on point and the ending was wasn't a massive oh tune in next week you know it was much more of a a low-key ending but did have sort of like a character moment attached to it so i think for me being a fan of the show since the beginning rather than maybe someone who's come in halfway or or has binged it recently. I felt it was it was more classic line of duty than okay. say the ones that people have have tri- trumpeted, which have had those big action scenes. Which you know I have been a fan of, but don't feel like line of duty to me. Does that make sense? That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. How are your friendly? We're gonna we're gonna call them this every time you're on. How are your friendly support bubble feeling about it? Um, they don't actually watch Line of Duty. They just watch the recaps on Gogglebox with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's strange to even find people in the world like who haven't seen at least a couple of episodes of Line of Duty. It's really odd. <laughs> I do look at them strangely, but they're very kind to me all the same. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, though, I, I know a couple of people who haven't seen it, and I've been, oh, you must watch it, you must watch it, you must watch it, you know, over, over the years while it's been on. Uh, I'm not sure I would recommend it now. Because I've st- I've st- I'm not having that same level of enjoyment that it once gave me, so I don't want somebody else to enjoy those first three series. Well, four. I enjoyed the Tandy Newton one as well, actually, to be fair. But I don't want somebody to get there and say, "Oh, you didn't tell me that it went a bit bonkers towards the end." It's, it's always been a little bit bonkers, but we we had a lot more good faith yeah. in it. I think at the start. Having recapped this on a weekly basis, my feeling is now is that it's being written more towards the people who are in the future going to binge it rather than Mm. those who are watching it on a weekly basis Mm. Mm. who have, you know, in the last week or so caught up with who all these old characters are Mm. because they started at the start rather than, you know, everyone having to look it up and things like that or, you know, because I watched some of series one before that episode last week so i'd sort of reminded myself who tommy hunter was you right. know he was this big bad and he was scottish kelly mcdonald is scottish so that was going to be the big link there i think but you know i think it is almost keep up you got like there was that massive bit with with chloe where she just said oh, all you. the names of the characters that are in prison <laughs> that, yeah. that gail bella wanted to to interview do you know it's what it like... needs? It needs that needs to be turned into a song to liven things up a bit. It needs to come in and announce them in song form. And what? she also had to do all of that long piece yeah. about the poor guy Lawrence, in prison. Lawrence She's basically become a robot. That yeah. character. But uh, should that song be to the to the uh, tune of uh, "We Didn't Start the Fire," where they have all the dates? Perhaps it will be a rewarding binge where you go, oh, Patrick Ballady, I saw him in Series 4 when I watched that last week, and now he's back again. But mm. as someone who, is, who has, rightly or wrongly, watched it every year and not 
chosen to revisit it. It's not fulfilling me this year at all. And you shouldn't have to, though. That's the thing. You shouldn't have to. You know, doing that comparison to Unforgotten, you know, they they did reward you for having watched the prior Mm. series by having Cassie be affected by what had happened in Series 3. But you didn't have to go back to Series 3 to understand why she was like that if you were only watching Series 4. I think that we have to give them props because it is due. Because for years we've been saying, oh, they're never going to be able to tie all this up. And they are trying. They are really trying this time around. So so that just make me feel good towards what's happening. But like you say, TV shouldn't require homework. <laughs> no. By the next time we talk, we will have watched the final episode. So I just wanted to ask what you you i know you neither of you have seen the the sixth episode yet but what do you think will be like a satisfying ending i know luke's really never satisfied with anything but i'm satisfied with you man that's why you're here Um, (laughs) uh, but i was thinking you know if it is revealed that you know like carmichael or osborne you know these characters that we've always already got question marks over are dodgy then that's not for me going to be like a satisfying reveal i don't i don't know what what would be really and if it's hastings then that tears apart the whole series from day one doesn't it really so you're right i'm probably not going to be satisfied by how they tidy up this h business Unless it turns out to be Martin Compton well, or Vicky McCoy. Well, they're not calling them, calling them H anymore. It's the fourth man now. The fourth now. man, yes. So if they can tidy that up and that be over, I'm quite happy to watch a show that it used to be, which is police investigating bent coppers, as he likes to say every week. That was a fine show. It was when all this conspiracy and background talk and... You know, everyone being dodgy, that's when it's lost me. And I think, as I said to Matt on Twitter, I think what's happened this series is the character work has suffered. I don't feel like those people are characters. I felt like Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar and everyone in Unforgotten was a character that I knew and was attached to. These people have just become people who do these big information dumps that are crucial to the plot, but they don't have conversations. It just, it's just mithering. I find it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely on that. And I, I was just thinking, like, this series has just been like trying to follow a knitting pattern. You know, <laughs> there hasn't been that sort of exciting conversation or no. character development. So it has been. It's just been coldly logical. Yeah, and I think pattern. you'll you'll get that in this. I I hope that both of you will go. And I haven't sort of heightened your expectations but you will go because it is quite you know it is one scene that is almost half an hour long and i think oh no i love that back to basics for line of duty is absolutely the best thing they can do Vicky running around toting a machine gun is just not for me, you know? (laughs) I did my usual thing. We get it on previews. Matt writes his review, sends it over. I read that and da-da-da. But the last couple of weeks, I have just seen how the cliffhanger resolves. So I know what the end of that gunfight is. This keeps happening. I know what's going on. I know how that resolves. And then, like, five minutes later, something happens, and I don't understand it. Martin Compton's character says early point in this episode he says i haven't got a clue what's going on either and i've never related to him more. <laughs> but the, i think the person i agree with most are in terms of line of duty is stephen from gogglebox taking it back to gogglebox again who says i am really struggling to understand this i'm having to watch the episodes twice now and i'm like yeah actually <laughs> it's entertainment it shouldn't be homework so that's what we do on this podcast. First 10 minutes of us talking about Line of Duty, however, continues and concludes on um, on Sunday with Gary joining us for the, for the final episode to talk exclusively about Series 6 of Line of Duty. That will be the next podcast we have. As I said, on the podcast this week, Mayor of Easttown, uh, Rose Matafeo, Starstruck, Viewpoint and Frank of Ireland... Let's start with a comedy, as we've been talking hard drama for a bit. Which of the comedies would you like to take us through first, Sarah? Um, let's do Starstruck. Ooh, that um, was such a lovely build-up. I had no idea which one we were going to do. I didn't know either. <laughs> it was like a line-of-duty cliffhanger. <laughs> 
Rose Matafeo, who is um, a pretty familiar face on TV. I've seen some of her stand-up and she was also in, was she in the last series of Taskmaster as well? That's not not my area. (laughs) I'll tell you she was on House of Games, Sarah, as you Uh, mean. That's that's Games as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she pops up a lot and this is, I believe, her first sitcom and it's really rather good. I like it. Um, Even though I'm not particularly into rom-coms in general, I think this one is done beautifully. It's really nice. Her character is Jessie. Um, She's going out reluctantly for New Year's Eve. um, And this feels like a relic of ancient before times because she's drinking in a club. (laughs) She's dressed up in sequins and high heels. She's got a gorgeous dress on. Um, And so she sneaks into the gents' bathrooms because there's no line. And, you know, I think every woman who has ever lived has done that. I shouldn't really speak for all womankind, but here I am. (laughs) She meets this guy um, in the gents um, and then they do um, chat in the bar afterwards. Um, She avoids the dull cryptocurrencies guy um, and ends up chatting to this this handsome Asian guy. They seem like they're not going to get together and then they've got that jump cut where they instantly get together and they're snogging in the back of the taxi. They go home and it's really charming, but it's also kind of quite rude. Uh, It's his point of view and they're having sex and she is giving him the consent chat at the point of um, the act, which I think is really funny. Mm. Easier to see it than me to describe. It. No, I, I think you're painting a picture. It's like watching that scene again for me. <laughs> um, and then, while the the morning after, while he's still asleep, there's this really neat reveal. She is shocked to find out that he's a very famous actor. Uh, so she goes back upstairs to say, "Hey, why didn't you tell me this?" And um, he's like, "No, I did actually tell you this, but she was just too drunk to remember." So he is Nikesh Patel. And he plays this guy called Tom. And I think they're just really nice on screen together. They're very cute. They're very cheeky. They're very natural. And their little awkward moments, I really buy those too. I like her friends who describe her as a little rat nobody compared to him as this superstar glamorous actor. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised given that Rose Matafeo's personal style of comedy. But I was surprised to see a BBC comedy where all of the characters are likeable. Because that doesn't mm. seem to be the fashion at the moment, certainly since Fleabag. And it's a really nice, warm, shifting tone that I wasn't expecting. Basically, beginning to end, I think it's charming. Really warm and shiny and fun. But also, it feels like you could definitely go for a pint with these people. They all seem really nice. We should have another name for this. It should be like a hangout calm or something. Because <clears throat> I like everybody on it. Like you say, they're really charming. I wasn't rolling about on the floor laughing. I might have smiled. But like you, I just found it really charming. I thought she was warm and engaging. There was a sequence in the cinema where she's standing in for someone having an argument about what why Schindler's List isn't her favourite film and stuff. It's an easy watch, and I think you're right. All the sitcoms we've loved, I mean, even This Country and Mum... You wouldn't say they were people you'd want to hang out with, but here these are just nice people to spend. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. 
Rules and restrictions may apply. Half an hour with, I did find it surprisingly charming, really easy to watch. She's really comfortable on screen and not a not yeah. this kooky female character that she could have easily made herself out to be. I, I thought it was a, a nice, enjoyable pilot episode of a new comedy for BBC Three. I think it's really important as well for the BBC to show that they can do this because BBC comedy funding is always under threat. Mm. Just nice to show that they can do, they can be so agile and like their comedy inspiration can come from so many different places and so many different people and different voices, which is absolutely, you know, what we should be seeing on TV. It was also a nice little pick me up as well, because after this horrible year, People deserve that. We don't have to have difficult topics always covered in comedy. Comedy can just be fun and nice, you know? There's no, there's absolutely no harm in that. In fact, that's a big plus point for me. I was actually going to make the same point, that it was refreshing to see a comedy that wasn't also dealing with issues. I mean, yeah. we, we really liked Feel Good last year, but that was as much about, you know, recovering addiction as it was about, you know, this relationship between... Uh, the two female leads, whereas this just seems to be, as you said, Sarah, a romantic comedy with likeable characters, with a a premise that may seem a little far-fetched, but it doesn't, given the characters, given the down-to-earth nature of the performances and and in particular the, the character of... Was it Tom, sorry? The, yeah. The, the scene I really liked was the one where she's leaving his flat. I think it's after she's discovered the photos of his ex-girlfriend and there's the paparazzi outside and they just think she's the cleaner rather than yeah. his new love interest, yeah. which I felt was the... the and she the, doesn't the, protest it either because yeah. she is a little rat nobody. Yeah, and, and, and one of the cameras, he goes, honest profession, that love. <laughs> I just I just like that little, that little scene and the scene at the cinema that you referenced. You know, he's a film star. She's very much, you know, working two jobs. She works at the cinema. She works as a, as a nanny as well for mm-hmm. a character played by another stand-up, Sindhu V. Really sort of lackadaisical with the, with the kids, mm. comes in the dress she's been wearing on New Year's, says, who wants to watch Goodfellas? Yeah, um, you've seen Goodfellas. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so, did you yeah. notice how gorgeous all the interiors were as well? I mean, Jesse <laughs> might not Ma- be very lives, so he, he <laughs> Jesse might not be very wealthy herself, but she knows some people who've got property in London, really nice. And then, like the exterior shots of like um, the the club bathed in light, you know, and the cobblestone streets and everything. It was just so nice to watch. It was just a pleasure. You know, a pleasure for your eyeballs. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I enjoyed it. I've seen virtually no promotion for this either, so, you know... Oh, she was on the one show. As I say, I've seen no promotion for this. (laughs) Um, So, yes, good that uh, we're talking about it. Next up, then, let's go on to something a little less pleasurable for the eyeballs. Mayor of Easttown is on HBO. It stars Kate Winslet in this seven-part crime thriller about a woman in Connecticut who uh, has lived there her whole life. Luke, where did you say it was? Is it not Connecticut? No, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. She's lived there her whole life, living now with her mother and teenage daughter. She's also raising her son's son, her grandson, because he's he's been killed off. We don't quite know why after watching this first episode. Her ex-husband is is remarrying and buying a plot of land. Backs onto her garden. She's got a lot going on. She's also a member of a rather iconic basketball team within the community called the Lady Hawks, who are so celebrated for what they achieved 20 years ago that they are still eulogised and reunite on a regular basis to celebrate their achievements. But she's also this grizzled cop as well, and she spends her days picking up the same people for the same things, petty thefts and the like, and she's so known in the community that they don't really even try and outrun her. There is one sequence where she just try and run after a guy she knows really well, one of her former basketball friends' husbands who's stolen from her, and she ends up hurting her leg going over the fence. Uh, and on the, the backdrop of this, there's another murder that's happened years ago, another friend of hers from the basketball team her daughter's gone missing the case has gone cold and mayor is in the spotlight because 
that mother doesn't feel the police have done enough and let her daughter's name grow old and they've not looked into that case enough. And then more more recently, we meet a young girl called Erin, who is a young teenage mother who is miserable at home with her drunken, horrible father and is having an online relationship with a guy she believes. She finds out she's been catfished uh, by a group of local teens and the girlfriend of her ex-boyfriend who thinks she has been uh, cheating on him again with her and this isn't a guy that she's been talking to they beat her up mercilessly which in an awful sequence and then unfortunately her body is found uh, by the river or the lake or the stream wherever you a body of water a local body of water and uh, it is mayor trying to find out why uh, she has died and maybe just maybe there are links between this death and the death i spoke of before this took me by surprise in a good way. I had done something I don't normally do in that I, I watched this after reading a fair amount of the American reviews that came out which called it bleak, depressing, soulless. You know, perhaps it is bleak and depressing but it is certainly not soulless and I would argue that it's not even that bleak because what this does so brilliantly is it has a great sense of, of place. And I love shows that have a great sense of place. It reminded me of Happy Valley. You know, Kate Winslet is this grizzled cop, but she's also very human. And it spends time walking around East Town and getting getting to know these key players that are going to be obviously pivotal in her life and in the crime over the next seven weeks. I think it did a great job at setting everyone up. It even set the young girl up. We knew a load about her. She wasn't just a young corpse that we meet at the end of the episode. It also won brownie points for not starting with that and flushing back to the start, so that was a good point. I just thought it was so expertly done. It was it was an hour long, and you could say it wasn't action-packed, but it took its time. I, I felt like I knew these people. These people felt authentic and real and genuine. They didn't feel like robots delivering lines of dialogue. They felt like real people who I had been invited in to see. And because of that, I am far more invested in the crime. I've now seen the second episode, which goes out on Monday. And I think if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I don't know, I didn't really like the first episode. I think if you get to the end of episode two, you are in for the long haul. I think there are some really good turns and twists. Everything about this show feels planned. It feels organic. It feels of its time and of its place and I think it's a bit of a gem I really really liked it I thought it was brilliant Um, the people who didn't like episode one I'm like what is wrong with you the American critics who thought it was cold and bleak I'm Mm. sorry (laughs) absolutely not what is I mean charm's the wrong word because starstruck was charming but I felt, you know, at the sequence where she sat around the kitchen table squirting that awful American squirty cheese on a cracker and talking to her, her ex-husband and her mum's there and her daughter's there, it felt like a real warm household that we'd just yeah. been allowed in. As, as you say, Luke, it's got that authenticity and that, you know... There is elements that are bleak, but it is peppered with, with like, dark humour as yeah. well. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's American small town life. It's personal and family tragedies. It's the quiet desperation of working class lives. It feels like you could turn a corner and you could be in series two of The Wire, you know, down on the Baltimore shore. It's those sort of overlooked towns that would have been very aspirational in the the 50s and the sort of like post-industrial decay and people still trying to scrabble out quite a hard life there. Mm. And it's not that the people are bad. It's just that the situation is bad, which we saw with the... um, the you know well-known drug addict who she's chasing and she hurts her ankle there's no flair for for drama in mayor um she's like there's no flair in mayor but she's she's dogged and she's determined and even though she's got like you know a sprained ankle she still goes after him but she is she's very fair and she's she's very kind compassionate in a way that Catherine from Happy Valley is, is exactly yeah, that same kind of person. She she asks whether she should press charges against this guy for stealing from his family. The answer is no. Um, and, then, and then she makes sure that he's got somewhere to go because his 
the heating at his house has been turned off illegally and she's going to get that sorted as well. Like she takes all of the cares of this town onto her own shoulders. Um, and in that way, she also reminds me a lot of Sarah Lund from The Killing because mm-hmm. she's kind of, she's struggling with the demands of her really high-pressured job. The Katie Bailey case is still outstanding, still open. Yeah. The sadness and the grief of that mother, who she can't avoid because, you know, they they were on this basketball team together. They've got a shared history and they've got a, a shared small town that they live in. Um, yeah, I, I just felt for her straight away and I thought I thought the performance was cracking. I thought it was really good. I would reflect and wonder about any of my friends who said that they didn't like this. <laughs> I would think maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they don't need to be my friends anymore. Maybe I don't need those kind of negative people in my life. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll just add one more thing because I know Matt has got stuff to say and I will allow it. <laughs> but I'm just going to say this quick. I talk a lot about world building and I don't think it's very clear a lot of the time what I mean because a lot of shows are very eager that the audience gets the point straight away. If we go back to a show we discussed with Sarah not that long ago, Brian Cranston in Your Honour, it had that shocking sequence where a boy is mowed down, but it did no world building. So I Mm. felt felt nothing really because I didn't know those people. I hadn't spent any time getting to know them. And so the loss left me a bit numb. Here, I was absolutely devastated when it was revealed that this poor teenage mum who was hoping that she'd found love again and was already struggling with a miserable father at home, I was absolutely devastated that it was her that was found dead at the end because in another show, she would have just been a young girl found dead in town. And You're so right, now. yeah. Just before, um, I'm just going <laughs> to stop Matt from speaking. <laughs> but what I wanted to say was, was you were so right about the world building. The level of detail was incredible. Erin yeah. is presenting microwave mac and cheese from a box yeah. served on paper plates to yeah. her angry father. And that is a level of detail that a lot of programmes would not have bothered with. Yeah. It does such a good job, and I am so engaged. And now, Matt. Can I speak, please? <laughs> Thank you. Anything else? <laughs> um, else to add? No, I mean, I don't think I loved it as much as the pair of you did, but I, I really liked it, and I appreciated, as, as you know, you both mentioned the world building and, and that sense of place, and you, know, you feel like you know East Town. These are characters, most of them have grown up together and have known each other since high school. Everybody knows each other's business. There's there's friendships there, there's rivalries there. I really like that. I thought Kate Winslet was was magnificent here. You know, yeah. she's a great actress. I think, you know, it's a, it's a big get for any TV show to have her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in a great deal of this episode and, and you understood that character of Mare. The comparisons there, as you said, to Happy Valley. It also reminded me a little bit of, of Francis McDormand's character in Fargo. You know, that that balance between the, the sort of the friendly side and the and the serious side. Mm. I love the character of Erin, as you've said as well. I, I I was slightly shocked that she was the victim at the end of this. I think there is a shock there. Because no, honestly, I thought she was marks from the beginning. She was oh, a really? marked woman before okay. she even walked into that wood. The way that the shots lingered on her face, how innocent she looked, how cute, how adorable she was with her baby when she was on a little bicycle going into the woods. You know, I was like, oh, don't go, I, don't go, turn back. I suppose I, what I thought was this series will be about solving this unsolved case of this missing girl rather than about the murder of this girl that we've already met. Maybe I was a little bit naive naive in that but I, I i thought that that is what the series will be and this will be another sort of subplot especially when she was rescued almost by mayor's daughter you know mm-hmm. who was there in the woods as well like she she has escaped this possible fate but obviously you know she never made it home what happened to her and we uh, and i'm guessing there is a link there to the to the disappearance of that girl and um, the only thing i don't think they explained to to me straight away was the the grandson 
because I thought no. it was the the son of the teenage her teenage daughter at first. No, I don't no. know. Yeah, because oh. she came out with him talking about a recorder concert, and I thought, oh, this is her. you know she's a teenage mom, another teenage mom in this. It was a lot of people to meet, and it was a lot of relationships yeah, yeah. trying to get down in your mind immediately. I liked how they sort of led us gently into that, and it was a bit well, it was very similar to. Um, Catherine in Happy Valley looking after her grandchild that's what you because said, there's something's happened in that middle generation that, that shouldn't have that's unpleasant that's left um, this child you know with the grandparent that the very young grandparent and and even to the extent that you know you're she's wanting her daughter to leave the town to to go to college obviously not to the same fate as her her sort of dead brother and I, I mean there's a lot of actors as well I like in this Gene Smart is always excellent She's and and I like I like the fact Guy Pierce is in this as as the possible love interest um and uh Julianne Nicholson is as the best friend there's just a lot of good actors. Evan, P- Evan Peters in the next episode is uh, right. brilliant as her as her new partner trying to work all this out. And I loved all the little bits. I, I would really like to hang out with... I'm far too old now. But I would really like to hang out with her teen daughter and hang out with their band, you know? Just yeah, and, and, and she... <laughs> and I like... I, Angry... I want to say... How do you say that first name? Angry... Uh, Angry Rice. Angry Rice. Rice. Yeah. Angori. Because, I mean, I, I loved her in, in The Nice Guys, where she was uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter, and, and yeah. that episode of Black Mirror she was in with Miley Cyrus. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to have seen more of her in this episode. But, you know, the bits we saw I liked. You will know that I've struggled to get on board with things uh, yeah, okay. if you've listened to the podcast for a while. And uh, this... I felt reassured at the end of this. I had that feeling you get where you've watched something and you go, Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Do you know what? I really enjoyed that. That was an hour that flew by. That world was built perfectly. Those characters felt so real. This is what I like in a drama. And to just go back briefly onto something with like Line of Duty, I think why I'm not enjoying that is because it doesn't feel like that sort of a show anymore. It feels very robotic, very much getting this point across. And when shows are done like this, this is more my bag than something like that. I thought it was a an hour of just perfect drama. I really, really enjoyed it. Mayor of Easttown dropping weekly on Sky Atlantic. If you're that desperate, you can watch it at 2am as well on Monday morning because it airs at the same time it does in on HBO in the US as with all their dramas on a Monday. Mayor of Easttown, we highly recommend it. Let's do the other drama this week that ITV are hoping is going to grip us so much that we're going to want to watch it every day this week at 9pm. I am, of course, talking about the Noel Clark-led viewpoint, which Matt is going to give us his viewpoint on right now. Ooh, I like that. So we meet uh, the character of Gemma, who's a primary school teacher. Uh, She's friendly with Zoe, who is a 
Using the phrase single mum, she's sort of estranged from the dad of her daughter, I suppose. They're, is going, the they're going to Greece in the summer, so they'll be all right by then. <laughs> no, it was Morocco at Christmas. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm not in the mood for being told I'm wrong. Um, well, you shouldn't invite me on then, should you? <laughs> Zoe's daughter is quite distant. That There's something that's gone on with her parents and, and Gemma's trying to encourage her to get more active she's doing the scenery for the for the school play we also meet this more sort of uppity mum played by is it Catherine Tildley I think that's how you say her name um whose daughter is the star of the show uh, we then see Gemma hit on by the head teacher at the school she rebuffs his advances she goes home to her overly jealous boyfriend Greg who confronts her about being hit on several times by this head teacher before telling him he then demands to see her phone and this this sort of results in her leaving the flat next thing we know she has gone missing has been missing for three days the police see greg as, as the prime suspect in her disappearance so call in the surveillance team led by the a character played by phil davis and also we've got uh, noel clark's martin young who is a former cid officer who had a, a tragedy occurred which meant he left cid and went into surveillance and feels very cautious about going out into the field pre prefers to be indoors watching people from afar uh, his partner is stella beckett played by Brunner war who's a lot more sort of outgoing than he is and they supplant themselves in Zoe's flat to watch Greg. Interestingly, before this, we see Zoe doing some surveillance of her of her own on the uh, Catherine Tilsley character, who also lives across the road. It seems all these characters like live in the same block. But then, when when Martin is called away to look after his own son, he very unprofessionally leaves Zoe in charge of conducting this surveillance or she does it of her own accord and he lets she does her. it of her own accord yeah but then he continues to let her once he finds out that she is doing it rather than saying no go away put um, it away put it away so that's <laughs> the basic the yeah. that's the basic premise of of viewpoint have we all watched the t first two episodes yes this. i did i did a naughty did you did you tell us to watch two episodes and then only watch one? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> well, because I asked you, because you said let's watch two, like you. I know. I, I, know. I read the messages. I read the messages. Yeah, no, that, I presume I presumed you'd watch two, and and there was some no. sort of incident at the end of one, no. which propelled you to watch two, and then no. tell us watch two and oh, even, sorry. So, sorry. From, the, from the very little you saw what are your <laughs> what, what is your opinions <laughs> from the five minutes that you could you could bear to give us luke, tell us what tell us what you thought of viewpoint luke uh, um i don't know to be honest if i'm really <laughs> if, if you watched really episode honest. two maybe you would <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't like this podcast I've made. I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I didn't buy the... You, you know the surveillance unit? I didn't buy Bronner War, Phil... Phil. Oh, did you see? That's what That's what I uh, liked about this. No, I, I didn't buy it. And then and then right. Noel Clark. I don't particularly buy him in anything. I've never seen him in anything and go and, and thought, you're a leading man. It, it's something about it. It felt quite soulless in places. I want... I wanted to, it to get going and it never really did. There, there wasn't anything there where I could go, this is my hook, this is why I'm watching the rest. I don't really understand ITV's plan to play this over five nights because I, I clearly didn't get to the end of that first one and go, I really want to know what happens to it in episode two because it just it felt like something we'd seen before. It felt very rear window and I sort of feel like I know where it's going, you two are going to tell me I have no idea because you've seen more than I do. But, yeah, there just wasn't anything in it where I went, I'm really interested in this, this feels fresh, this feels new. I also didn't quite understand why they were, you know, if, if somebody's killed somebody, why would you watch their flat? I didn't really well, they understand. don't know. They don't just watch his flat, though. They do follow him, like Bronner Wall okay, goes so after he, him in the car. if he goes to, like, a lock-up garage... 
and she's yeah. in there, then they'll find it. But I, yeah, I just. They so follow him gonna... to a reservoir in episode two. Spoiler, Matt. Spoiler. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't hooked. I wasn't that invested. No. It, I, it I, did, didn't grab me. I would disagree with what you're saying. I think that the show I would have liked to have seen is this program about this surveillance unit about because i liked phil davis and he's in episode two a lot more than he is in episode one he you know he's quite he you know wants to get uh noel clock back in the field i liked the chemistry with bronner war who's this more outwardly going character it led me down sort of a bit of a, a mental rabbit hole thinking we don't really get shows now certainly on british tv many of them anyway which are crime of the week shows everything now has to be one single story told over three or four or five episodes i blame broadchurch for this i think that's that's where it started and it's almost sort of unless you're a long-running procedural like a death in paradise or a vera or a silent witness something like that it's very hard now for a new show to do that mystery of the week. I point you to our favourite McDonald and Dodds, though. And McDonald I feel like Dodds. I stamped all over your point or, there. Or what's that? Shakespeare and Hathaway investigates with Joe Joyner and Mark I Benson. I will hear nothing bad said about that programme. <laughs> oh. Like that setup of this, sort, it almost felt like an abandoned building where they were getting these cases in. It looks seriously drafty, and, and I don't think that health and safety have been through there. It gave me that, you know, that that sense of this team being together, but being this sort of side thing of the police working, you know, playing by their own rules to use a to use a cliche. Yeah, I did. I disagree with you about Noel Clark sort of more generally. I do like him. I find him a likable presence, but he is often misused as sort of, you know, like this damaged cop. You know, like he he does play a lot of, of police officers. Because here he's meant to be this damaged character. Is that in episode one where he has that really sort of touch of cloth s flashback to the tragedy where a colleague from CID who who coincidentally then starts working on the same case has ended up in a wheelchair, and he's reluctant to go to go out as I said in into the field. He's also you know estranged from his partner as is Zoe. Uh, and he has a, a child, as does Zoe, which leads me to think that there is going to be a romance there, which I think will fall flat on its face because Noel Clark and Alexander Roach had no chemistry at all. I disagree a hundred percent. I am um, I am in the Matt Donnelly school of thought here. Thank Those you. two had nothing going on. I <laughs> thought they were really cute together, and I thought that there was a nice sort of cheeky atmosphere there. I thought that was quite. I bought that. I thought that was that was decent enough chemistry for me. I thought that was good. Um, can I just um, yeah, go mention um, Greg, the controlling violent boyfriend? Um, he's played by Fenty Balagan. Um, and I think that he does a really good job because it's so easy, certainly within the first sort of half an hour to go, oh, well, it's obviously the boyfriend. 35 phone calls a day to her phone, you know, and he admits to the police himself that he is controlling. He's got control issues. So it's ever so easy to to go, well, it's him. Um, but I like the idea that he gets to play with our prejudices of the big, scary black guy, um, because this is an interracial relationship, which we don't see often enough on TV dramas, in my opinion. The more he is on screen, the less I believe he's got anything to do with her disappearance. Mm. And then we find out, you know, spoilers, that Gemma's got some shady dealings um, and that maybe he's he's not quite cut and dried guilty as it, as it would seem. I thought that was really interesting, especially because... Noel Clark has been on TV so much recently off the back of his BAFTA win talking about diversity. I thought it was really good. I thought the casting was good. I didn't think that anything here felt, none of the performances felt out of place to me. It was a little flat, but I don't think that it was bad because of that. But you bought it. I did. Yeah, I did. I bought it. It felt quite soapy, I think, because of all these Mm. people living in the same street, staring into each other's windows. So yeah. it's got those soap elements. It's got that police procedural element. And then it's it's very happy to show you these 
gorgeous shots of city centre Manchester as well. And what what did you think of the interiors, Sarah? I think that's what everyone wants to know. I wonder how Zoe has got that much money because that's a really nice flat. Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe she works in a shop. I I believe the twist will be that she's in on the money laundering as well. She must she has to be. Yeah, she's I got a child to support as well. You know. Um, but the, the other thing is, I got a bit confused by all the beardy men who were living across the road as well. There was like I think the there were beards. two beardy men. I think there was Carl, and then I think there was a, a blonde bearded guy who we didn't get introduced to. No. And they're the ones who have the fight on is the street. Is the ex-copper that they were talking about? No, the ex-copper, I think, is the guy who turns up with that large A4 manila envelope and passes it to the blonde guy. And the blonde guy eventually gives that to the other guy. It's, it's quite <laughs> annoying. I like you to really know... watch the hell out of this. Luke, I think this is one of those ones which you're not going to gel with because it no. is, again, that, you know, pulpy, yeah. sort of, as we call it, like the airport novel, the, the twists <laughs> and turns. And I, But I think as well, if you thought it was going to be sort of a domestic violent type thing, it, do, it turns into something more. There's more... Yeah, as we said, like there's money laundering going on in this. Yeah, the, the the character Gemma, who the victim, who you know we assume has has been offed or she's run off, disappeared somewhere. There's more to her than just this sort of innocent primary school teacher. I think that's quite interesting. But because we are essentially watching life through windows, we don't learn people's names. Like we're referring to the beardy blonde guy mm. because you know we we literally don't know who he is until the police know who they are. The audience doesn't have a name mm. for those people. I know. I think. Go on. No, the only thing I was going to say is sometimes I knock things. Not, not, not a lot of the times I knock things. But you what do. I think, what I think, running this site since two thousand and blooming three, has taught me, is that I can do that because it is based on watching a hell of a lot of TV, and I, I got flashbacks of a 2010 show starring Keely Hawes called Identity. Identity. I knew you were going to say that. Which is about a unit uh, that worked on people who had their identity stolen and this unit would go out and find them. That was crime of the week. If you want to go even further back than that, in 2007, do you remember The Whistleblowers with Richard Coyle and Indira Varma as these sort of people that would go undercover and work out you know, who who these people really were that they were stopping from doing crime. So I think for me, it just didn't feel of its time either. It felt like a relic. ITV had had the script for a while, I, it felt like to me, and it just didn't work in, in enough places. I also wonder, based on how that first episode ends, are people going to be intrigued to watch this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? <laughs> yeah, I think that might be... A I think that might be a bit of a risk. How did how did the first episode end? Because you know I watched the, I watched them together. Oh, Alexander Roach. Uh, he says, "Don't go in the flat." She goes in the flat. Right. Okay. I think the ending of the second episode is more intriguing. The jury's out as to whether the audience will necessarily get that far. So, so Matt, you've seen two, Sarah's seen two. Just in one word, continuing on with the rest. I was Sarah. just going to. I was just going to ask that myself. Go <laughs> so, on, you ask it, Luke. You're definitely not. I no. probably won't, if I'm honest with myself. And I'm guessing Sarah will be continuing. Um. Don't know. <laughs> Ask me in a week. <laughs> oh, okay. Because well, you you seem to be the most positive of the three of us, and you obviously bought into those relationships. Yeah. Is there? I suppose is there a curiosity there to to get in? Yes. There's yes. definitely a curiosity, but as to whether it's quite enough, I don't know. Because I, I, as I say, I, I liked elements of it, but by the end, you know, I watched this on Wednesday, and and we're recording on Saturday, and most of it's completely gone. It's quite forgettable, I would say. I think it, it it might be interesting enough, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But then I, I think that, I was just going to say, I think that is ITV's audience, though, isn't it? People who are watching, who like those things, who like familiarity. and Yeah, yeah that's very true, actually. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good class, From the custardtv.com. 
Frank of Ireland, a brand new Irish sitcom from the Gleeson brothers, which Sarah is now going to be frank about. Gosh, my notes have just disappeared. Hang on, here we are. So professional. Okay, so I I haven't got the amazing memory for TV programs from 13 years ago like you guys have. What do you mean you you guys? Luke's just, Luke's the one. I think that would be your specialist subject on Mastermind, like, you know, know. UK TV crime dramas of the the 2000s. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just in awe. I'm absolutely, absolutely in awe. I love it. It's, a, it's an empty life, but it brings people pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Frank of Ireland um, is two of the five, I think, Gleeson acting dynasty Irish family. Um, so Brendan Gleeson from movies is the dad. And this is Brian and Domhnall Gleeson. I think there are another, at least another two Gleeson brothers. Oh, the Jacksons. So. Um, so they are Frank and Doofus. I like how Doofus's name is not explained, just everybody uses it. Um, Frank is a big, hairy, angry, depressed, jealous man who schedules in regular time for crying. And in that, I feel, yes, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a little bit of a way into that character there. I think everybody schedules in time for crying over the past 12 months. Um, he is a gigantic narcissist. He can't get over the end of his relationship with Ornia. Um, she keeps ending up in bed. They both know it's a mistake. Um, Doofus is his downtrodden sidekick. They're basically a pair of small town man babies. Frank and his mum, Mary, both have disastrous sex lives. Um, his mum is very liberated and she knows exactly what uh, he's up to and she sees all the mistakes that he makes while making plenty of her own. Um, she's very incisive about his character. In the first episode, he's in the car and he says, why does everything go wrong for me? And she goes, because you're a prick, <laughs> which is quite good. Um, Frank thinks he's a musician. He's desperate for another gig and he's happy to play at a funeral, but doesn't actually bother to practice. There's like, you know, little things that go wrong in his day and he gets sidetracked by trying to become a wrestler so that he can knock out Anya's new boyfriend. It's all a bit daft. For me, I was disappointed because I was thinking to myself, if you know for sure that every single social situation is going to be a total unmitigated disaster, is it funny? Because punchlines are supposed to be funny because they're a surprise and nothing here is surprising. It's gross and it's ridiculous. I mean, it's got a few funny lines in it for sure, but there's nothing here that feels terribly original. They're cartoony, aren't they? The saddest thing really for me is that there just wasn't very much to talk about. And that seems a real shame for a Mm. a pilot comedy episode. There should be plenty to talk about, but there just doesn't seem to be much here. I'm going to throw out another name for you from years gone by that you may not remember uh, from my TV knowledge. I just did it there with Identity and the Whistleblowers. Do you remember... Father Ted. <laughs> no. Quite underground the hit, I think. I mean, the, the one I was going to throw back at you would be Peep Show. Well, let, let me explain why Father Ted. Because okay. Father Ted, to me, has always been an, an anomaly. It, it will always be an anomaly <laughs> uh, to me. Because it, Father Ted is the sort of comedy I don't like on the face of it. But it has so much charm and winks at the audience at how silly it's being. And those characters are so lovable that you can, you're just spending time in their company you feel a bit warmer about. Here, I think they're trying to do the same thing and make these lovable idiots lovable. And of course, it's easy mm. to do the Father Ted comparison with it being Ireland. But they just come across as buffoons and... I don't really want to watch buffoons. You know, when when Ted and Dougal were doing something wrong, they were trying to get out of a mess rather than just rather than just sort of creating it and watching it all burn up. And, uh, and this I I didn't find funny. I, I think I didn't find endearing. Mm. As you say, there wasn't a lot to say really. I think the thing is, is tonally, it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. And I, it is the, the two brothers who've written this as well, isn't it? Am I right yeah, in that? Frank right. and Dominal. Because on the one hand, as you say, it's try, it's got those sort of elaborate, almost cartoonish comic mm. sequences that Father Ted had. But Father Ted also had that witty dialogue. 
which this doesn't Sean have. You know, those Quick. one-liners, yeah. And, and on the other hand, and, and this is what... Um, I watched this on, on the uh, the four on demand. And, um, all four, as we're calling four. it, in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. He was referencing 2007 every two minutes. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah... The the uh, all four description of it was uh, an Irish peep show. Now I think I didn't again, get that. peep show had its awkward moments, which this does as well. Yeah. But again, they felt based in reality because these two characters that the Mitchell and Webb were playing were based in the real world. And I think Frank of Ireland is straddling those two dimensions and, and not succeeding at either really and I, I and I, I think the character of Frank especially just doesn't feel particularly well drawn and I think that's why we're all struggling to to talk about this really that he's he's not someone who's particularly ambitious he's he's you know not wanting to be with this girl but at the same time not wanting her to be with anyone else so we don't really feel that much for him. And there's silly things like him mixing up MMA and MDMA. That's basically the whole program yeah. was yeah. based on that. Not very funny. And then, <laughs> and then he went out with an MMA instructor and she gave him MDMA. And I'm like, what, why? <laughs> uh, so even the, the comedy characters who were awful in, in these sitcoms, we, we that do find endearing, but Frank isn't endearing. No, he's you know, just an the, absolute narcissist, and you wouldn't do, want to spend any time with him. The doofus character, I think, you know, as, as Luke was referencing Father Ted, they are trying to make like a Dougal, um, yeah. but he, he's got nothing to him at all. They've drained him of all of his personality, and Domhnall Gleeson is such a, is a fantastic actor. Like, I mean, we in Run... You know, we did. We had mixed feelings with Run. Well, I forgot about he, Run. He had a really charismatic. He played a really charismatic, mm. confident person in that. Mm. And here, I know he's playing a completely different character yeah. in a completely different show, but none of that comes across at all. Uh, you know, I hope they have fun together, these two brothers, because they look like it. It felt like the opportunities for them to spend some time together, have a few japes, and have a laugh together. But why it was on TV, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, yeah, it does feel like a little bit like a sort of family inside yeah. joke, doesn't it? <laughs> and then Brendan's going to turn up later in the series, isn't he, as well? Frank of Ireland, which we've been very frank about, is on Channel 4. It's on all four now. All there now for you to watch as a box set. And if you're in America, it's all there on Amazon Prime, if you want to listen, watch it on there. But yeah, I mean, I think for us, as a podcast, and... Notably, when Sarah's been on, we have basically poo-pooed everything. This week, two shows out of the four I really liked, and nearly three out of the four you saw more of than I did. (laughs) This has been the Custard TV podcast. Thanks so much for Sarah for joining us yet again and and standing her ground. I am your most available um, guest. (laughs) Always here. Back by my demand. <laughs> uh, if you want to, Sarah has her own blog herself, The Dead Pixel Test. And I should say, as Sarah is here, that I got an email this week from the BBC, I'll put this out on Twitter as well, that joining their foreign series uh, collection on the iPlayer, all three series of the original Scandi Noir, The Killing, will be there for people to binge on the 1st of May. This Do is amazing. It. Do it. <laughs> was the killing your first foray into the genre, or did you come to it after something else? It was the killing. Episode one, season one. That was it. I was suddenly a massive fan of um, anything with subtitles. The bleaker, the better. <laughs> it's, we, the only it's, thing that would have made Mayor of Easttown better would have, if it had been yes. Scandi, would have been all over it. Wouldn't it, it? That's right. In- Scandi with subtitles. Now, I know it's not a programme that gets talked about very much on here, but this week on Mastermind, someone's specialist, sub- <laughs> someone's specialist subject was the bridge. So it'd be oh, interesting wow. if you... If oh, you I missed go- Mastermind. I'm going to have to go back and see if, if I can do- answer the question. Yeah, I think I got about two or three, but that's because she was very quick off the mark in answering wow. them because it was her specialist subject. Oh, I'll see if I can beat your score, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> what, of three? Of three, yeah. <laughs> 
I couldn't even pull Kim Bodney's name out quick enough. I was oh, like, I know the God. I know the answer to this question. I just can't yes. remember. Okay, so the killing all there. Uh, deadpixeltest.tv, isn't it, if people want to That's right, it. yeah. And if you want to be my friend on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Hamstera. Just in a sentence, just for closure, for people who need it, you really were championing Too Close on ITV last week. All three have now aired. What was your final verdict? It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed to not be able to come back and tell you, Luke, that it was an absolute must-watch. It wasn't. (laughs) I I saw a little bit at the end of episode two and realised that her dad was played by the granddad from Mum and had to tell Luke this. Oh. That's what what our relationship is like. (laughs) I'm at Luke. And the weird thing is, the way my mind works, I will never forget that now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's always going to be. That's the mind. only thing you'll remember about that series. Oh yeah, <laughs> Reg from Mum was in that. <laughs> At Luke Custard TV for me, the website is thecustardtv.com. The podcast feed on its own at Custard TV Pod, and uh, Matt's on Twitter as well at Matt's TV Bites. Line of Duty penultimate episode review for Matt is up there now. Sarah's viewpoint review is up there now as well, and all the latest TV news reviews and previews and stuff, including the announcement that Hilary Duff is going to take on the role in the Hulu series How I Met Your Father. Oh, how that's going to bomb! I'm just, I'm so desperate well, to see it. And this is the second time they've announced this because yes. they did they. The first was it Greta Gerwig was initially yeah. going to be in it, and then they decided people hated the finale of that show so much we're not going to do it anymore and now we're going to do it again with a with a much lesser actress on screen she'll always be a teen girl though hillary duff to me no matter how many children she has or (laughs) (laughs) maybe cut that one from the podcast we'll end it there that seems a good ending bye Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.